0: Today's message is from our lead pastor, Pastor Jared Brooks. Please take a moment and prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. You know, I know everybody worships different. Everybody has their preference, but I I like a little guitar solo in my worship. I just got to tell you. Listen, so glad that you're here. First thing I want to do is if you haven't had an opportunity to do so yet, one of the things we do at the Exchange is we have a check-in system So we like to Facebook in church, you know, I know a lot of churches probably want you to put your phones up, put them under your chair, in your lap, whatever, and pay attention. Uh, We'll ask you to do that later, but right now we'd like you to get on Facebook. Uh, If you get on Facebook, go to Exchange Church. You can check in at Exchange Church. The reason we do that is because every time you go in and check in on Facebook, it helps us to do something good. This month, today is March the 1st, we start a brand new project. So if you notice, you can, you can uh, hashtag this if you want, Souls for Souls. Uh, but every 10 check-ins go to help buy a pair of shoes for someone in need. We have done a lot of projects. We have provided water, drinking water for villages that didn't have drinking water. We have provided bricks to help build orphanages, all kinds of great things. And so this is just one of the ways that we can do missions just by kind of showing up here at church. And we appreciate you uh, being a part of that so much. Also, it helps us get the word out of where we are and who we are. And let me tell you, if there was ever a time to be proud and excited, today is the day, amen? Now, I I get it. Not everybody's going to be quite as excited as as I am, but I'm going to ask you to do something for just a moment. If you could appease me, Pretend to match my level, and I'm not a big extrovert. You know, I, I have a big personality, but typically in front of a lot of people, I just kind of will blend in. If, you know, if I can. Uh, but today, I want you to match match my excitement because Thursday morning at this past Thursday morning at approximately 9:50 p.m. a.m. I'm sorry. Uh, Miss Amanda Seidel, myself, and Jonathan Knight, we went to the title company, and we signed the documents, and by the next day, the documents had been fully funded, and as of right now, this property is 100% belonging to the 501c3 organization of the Exchange Church Houston. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that, Come on, you can do better than that. We're not renters anymore. We're not renters. I should have changed my whole message today because we're not renters anymore. We are, we are Ruth, and we have gleaned in Boaz's field, and Boaz has opened his eyes and said, hey, I want you to come into my life. I want you to be a part of my family. What's mine is now yours, and now we're not renters. We own this property. Isn't that awesome? Oh, man, I'm so glad you stood up and and clapped because now you have to help me pay for it. (laughs) Hey, man. (laughs) And the only one that stood up on that one was our secretary treasurer. (laughs) The one that sees all the money. Listen, but all seriousness, you know, we started this church in in a living room with just a, a handful of people we went into a daycare for a little while, and then we went into another building, and then that building kind of started sliding out from under us, and it was just um, uneasy. It's been uneasy since we planted this church, just not knowing uh, what could happen, and we were coming to the end of our lease on this property. September of this year was the end of our lease, and not wanting to invest a lot of money into the property because we weren't sure that we would stay at this property. It was just uneasy. And you see things that you want to do, but you don't want to dump all your money because if we have to go find something else, we need to save everything we could save. And we were able to get into this property. And listen, I know we stood up and we shouted, but I don't know if you understand the miracle that was provided for us. So I'm going to just recap real quickly, and then I'm going to move on. But we had somebody come to us and say, I will put out of my pocket or $150,000. I'll match your $100,000. I will owner finance this property myself at 4.5% interest. So they gave us the greatest interest rate possible. They 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 took our hundred thousand and they matched us a dollars They paid us to take ownership of their property. It, it, that is a big deal. I don't know. Maybe that happens to you all the time, and you're like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, all the time. You know, uh, people pay my rent all the time. Four people bought me five houses. I don't know, whatever. Okay, but that don't happen to me. So when somebody comes and just wants to give me money to take over their property, I got to kind of freak out a little bit, okay? So you just got to bear with me. And I drank a Red Bull while ago. I'm kind of shaky. So (laughs) listen, welcome to the exchange. If this is your first time, man, we're so glad that you're here, so glad that you're a part of this. And I hope you feel uh, at home and to all of our exchange family. Man, let's enjoy this ride together because uh, we're in this together. And, and now it's time for us to really charge this world with what we've been equipped with the Word of God and change lives. Amen? Amen. So we have been focusing on clarity this year. Clarity is kind of our theme for this year. Uh, we've talked about what that means to, to have clarity and understanding clarity of who God is, clarity of who Jesus is, clarity of what what the scriptures are teaching us and saying to us. And we're in the middle. We're actually at the end. Today we're going to close out this series, but we're in, at the end of a series uh, called The Clarity of Happiness. Everybody say The clarity of, clarity of Happiness. So we started this series with this question, and I'm going to ask this question again. Four weeks ago we asked this question, What makes you happy? And when we asked that question, I helped lay out what the answer is, And the answer is this, nothing, okay? No thing actually makes you happy. That's why you can look and look and look for happiness, but our happiness is actually tied to a who, not a what. Our happiness is tied to a who or two. That's why when you're little kids, it didn't matter what you had. It was who you were with, right? When you're on the playground, it didn't matter what you were playing with. It was who you were playing with. Our happiness is tied to who's, not what's. Then the second week, we asked the same question, and we gave it a second answer, different answer, and the question was, what makes you happy? And then the second week, we discovered it was sowing. Sowing makes you happy. Jesus taught us, and it's really, really, really interesting, but Jesus taught us that happiness is not immediately accessible, that it is about sowing and reaping. You sow your way into happiness. Happiness is an outcome, okay? Happiness is an outcome. And so essentially what Jesus said when it comes to happiness is this. You've got to sow for it, okay? So now today we're going to wrap up this series. We're going to close it out today. And we're going to close it out with probably the most counterintuitive idea as it relates to our happiness uh, that you've ever heard. In fact, it's so counterintuitive that probably, if you've never experienced this, you're going to think that I have a hidden agenda, and I don't. Just going to tell you up front, I don't. Um, but you've, if you've never experienced this, you're going to un- not understand what I'm talking about. But if you have experienced it, you're going to get it. And this today is a reminder, and it emphasizes, and it reemphasizes. Something that we've all or many of us have discovered in our own lives as it relates to happiness. Everybody say happiness. So the bottom line for today's message is this. As long as you, okay, as long as you are all about you, you won't be happy. Okay? That's kind of the baseline for this message. Uh, The title of this message I was going to put up there was You Are Not Enough, but I decided not to put it because I didn't want anybody to leave at the very beginning of my sermon. Okay? (laughs) But listen, as long as you are all about you, you are not going to be happy, and and I'm going to walk you through this and, and help you understand this because you've got to understand this. You can't fulfill you. That's just not the way it works. You need more than what you have to offer you. In fact, if you were able to somehow get yourself exactly the way you want yourself, if you were able to get yourself the right size, the right income, the right whatever, everything exactly the way you wanted it, you would probably discover at the end of that journey that it's still not enough that you still won't be happy. Now, this is really counterintuitive because uh, I think naturally we just think that if I could get certain things, if I could live a certain way, if I could have a certain health, if I could have a certain look, uh, if I could have all this stuff, then I'd probably, possibly be happy. But the truth is, and I think you kind of know this, and I know this, but today it's just a big reminder for us. The truth is this. You cannot acquire, consume, or exercise your way into happiness. Can we get an amen sign up there? That we, I just, when I say something good, you just put up an amen sign there. Listen, I'm gonna say that one more time, and y'all, we practice here, audience participation. But you cannot acquire, consume, or exercise your way into happiness. Hey, man, I'm so glad you guys agree with me because that's the truth. It's impossible. Now, this is tricky, and we're just going to talk about this for a minute, and then then we'll move along. But I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page with this and you understand where I'm going and and what I'm trying to say because this becomes, it sounds so deceitful. But here's what we do when it comes to acquiring or consuming or exercise. We look, and, and I'm guilty of this, okay? so. When I say we, I'm talking about me too, uh, but we look at what other people have acquired or are acquiring, and we look at stuff that other people consume, or, and I'm not talking about like what they eat, I'm talking about consuming things, and we actually look at all these people, and then we tell ourselves this, you know, if I could acquire that, you know, if I could have that, if I could live that way, or if I could look that way, then somehow I would be happy too. And, you know, if, if I had me going on the way that you have you going on, then maybe I would be happy like you're happy, right? And we start to look at other people, and, and, and the tendency, and your tendency, and my tendency is to look around at a bunch of different people that in reality are probably not any happier than you are. Right? Because we all put a good smile on our face. Correct? We we do that. We put a big smile on our face and we come in and and most of you right now we walk, we look around the church and we think, man, everybody else has just got it going on. And and I am just struggling here. We do that. We put on this face and what we do is we look at a whole bunch of people and a whole bunch of things and and then all of a sudden we create what I call a composite person, okay? A composite person, and, and a compo- this is how a composite person works. Now, just trek with me with this. Let me play, okay? Let my mind work. But it works like this. We, if I could have his house, if I could have his car, if I could have his income, if I could have his kids, because they behave way better, right? If I could have that marriage, man, they're just so Facebook happy, right? And, and, and what we do is we take, uh, we take from what we would call a highlight reel from about a dozen people, and we pick and choose, and we create this composite person. And when we create this composite person, then we measure it to ourselves, and we measure it to ourselves. We look at ourselves, and we feel very discontent. Okay, all of a sudden, I'm really not that happy. I'm not satisfied because I don't have his income and his house and his car and that marriage. And and I look at myself and I go, man, I'm just not happy. But I think that if I could ever, if I could ever switch places, and listen, when I say this, I don't want you to think about an individual because I don't think that's the case. I don't think none of us would really trade places with just an individual. You know, we, we wouldn't push a button and suddenly their parents or your parents or push a button suddenly their brothers and sisters or your brothers and sisters. Well, maybe some of y'all would do that. I don't know your family. Uh, but what I'm saying is typically what we're doing is we're pulling from a bunch of different people because truthfully, none of us want to push a button and trade places with somebody totally and completely give up everything that's true about us our friends, everything in our past, okay? So there's not any individual necessarily that we're looking for that we want to trade places with, but there are a lot of things about a lot of people that if we could pick and choose, we would trade places with, right? We do this all the time. I wish I had that. I wish I I, I had this. I wish I looked like that. I wish I was a baller. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I had a a beat, please. Drop the beat. No? Okay. All right, bring it back to 2020. So, so we create this composite person and and we compare ourselves to that composite person. What happens is we become a little bit too focused or we become hyper focused on this composite person that we've created, that we've made up in our mind. If I had this and this and this, and that's what we start striving to become, and, and we start trying to be something that we are not correct? I'm all about self improvement. That's not what my message is about. My message today is not about you don't need self improvement, don't better you, or whatever. I'm all about for you, I'm all about exercise. As I was fix to say I'm all about exercise. I'm all about exercise for you, okay? Leave me out of this. Leave me alone. I'm all about self improvement and I'm all about discipline and doing things to better yourself and improve yourself. That's not what I'm saying this morning. So, but what happens is, when you become consumed with you, when you become consumed with you, no matter how much progress you make, you won't be happy. Now, do you know what you call a composite person? Frankenstein. <laughs> okay? Frankenstein. Frankenstein was a composite person. A composite person is a monster. Okay? The the composite person that in your mind, if you begin to piece together, as beautiful as you think each individual piece is, when it goes together, it doesn't fit. It's a monster. It's a monster that you've created when you take all these different things from these different people and you put it together. It just, that doesn't actually exist. Okay? It doesn't exist. Why? Because you cannot consume or acquire, or exercise your way to happiness, and all of your acquiring is in comparison to other people who, again, like I said a while ago, are probably not any happier than you are. It's just the world we live in. In fact, this would probably be the biggest surprise to most all of you, the people that you are starting to build your composite character from probably have you on their list. They're looking at you and they're thinking, man, if I had that marriage and, and if I had that, man, you know, if I had that income, for sure I'd be, if I drove what they drove, I would be so much happier. If I had this, I would be so, and some of them are probably looking at you. And it's crazy, but at the end of the day, even if you are successful at becoming a composite person, you won't be happy because you cannot consume and acquire and exercise your way to happiness. So, here's the hard thing. Here's the thing that probably you're going to struggle believing. Here's my hidden agenda that you're going to So I'm going to ask that nobody walk out the door. David, if you could put the two-by-four through the door. (coughs) Just kidding, don't really. (laughs) You, You may not be able to acquire or consume or exercise your way into happiness, but you can actually serve and volunteer your way there. leave because I don't have an agenda. This is not, I'm not going this is we're not going to have sign-ups here in a minute for greeters, although if you'd like to be a greeter we could use you. <laughs> this is not one of those sign-up sheets for you to start working in kids although we could use people in kids There's no hidden agenda here, but I'm gonna, I'm going to tell you why this is so important because this is an amazing thought. And if you've ever experienced what I'm talking about, you get it. As soon as I say it you go, "You know what? That's absolutely true." It is absolutely true. And others of you that maybe have never experienced this, maybe it's because you're too busy or too hyper-focused on you, 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 you. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. We used to have a t-shirt when I was in, when we had a master's commission that we designed and it says, it's not about me, but it's up to me, okay? It's not all about you and and we get hyper-focused on me, 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 me and you're never going to get happy, acquiring and consuming and exercising your way to happiness. So, I'm going to prove this to you, and you can go home and do homework if you would like. If you go home and you Google it, if you get on google if you go home and you Google, you can research this out (coughs) because it's all on there, but there is research after research after research after research all over the world in all kinds of cultures that are asking (laughs) this question, is there a connection between happiness and selflessness? Okay, a lot of research out there. Go check it out. Is there a connection, listen, also get this, between health and selflessness? Then, is there a connection between happiness, health, and volunteering, selflessness? And you'll discover as you go and look this up, that project after project after project, they've all come to the same conclusion that there is absolutely a guaranteed connection between not just, listen, not just covert, but overt connection between people's happiness and people's health and people's willingness to be selfless. There's a connection there. So you can't consume or acquire or exercise your way there, but you can serve and volunteer your way to happiness. One of the first projects that I looked at was a University of Chicago project where they asked this question. What are the most fulfilling or what are the most fulfilling what are the most fulfilling jobs or what are the most fulfilling careers? They made a list of the most fulfilling jobs and the most fulfilling careers. Or the most satisfying, however you would want to put it. And here's what they came up with, and I'm going to put them up here, and they put them in a category. The most satisfying jobs. I put the top four answers on the board. It's 100 people. I don't know how many they asked, but this is the answers. Top four. The most happy, the most satisfying jobs and they discovered this, in these jobs, there was no income associated with the satisfaction or the happiness of the job once a person reached where they could basically pay their bills, eat, and live indoors. Once that those necessities were taken care of, there was no amount of income that changed these answers. As they added more and more income, there was not more and more and more happiness. That happiness, job happiness, was found in careers where you cared for other people, careers where you were teaching or taught other people, careers where you were protecting other people. And the fourth one I put up there, just to be true to the top four, and it was creative pursuits, which is arts and music and photography, okay? The top four careers that are most satisfying, most fulfilling, have to do with others. There's another study done, and this is even more amazing. It was done in the UK, and it took 40 different studies, 40 different studies that asked this question, is there a connection between happiness and selflessness? Is there a connection between happiness, health? and selflessness. So they looked at 40 studies that have been done over a 20-year period, and here's the link that they found between those three ideas. (coughs) Between volunteering, health, and happiness. If you volunteer, and and these studies, it wasn't like, you know, I volunteered one, one time back in the eighth grade. I did this volunteer thing. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about people who actually carved out a consistent, or systematically timed uh, point in their life where they served or they mentored. They did something kind of on a regular basis once a month or twice a month or every other month, whatever. People who did that in their community or in their church or somewhere in their lives, here's what they discovered over a 20-year study, that there was less depression, less heart disease, less stress, And listen, this is amazing for the teenagers because teenagers who systematically volunteered, it says there was far less drug use and less unplanned pregnancies. And this study says this, that even if you have to force your teenagers to volunteer, it says volunteering with a bad attitude still produces positive results. That's the truth, right? All right, Dylan. <laughs> he got your number right there. Somebody's mowing lawns today. All right? But listen, it says that. And some of you are like, well, I've got teenagers. They have bad attitude about everything. So I don't say that because I don't believe that. It's true. But, but, uh, but listen, it's true. And the, the study also goes on to say this, that when children start to learn to volunteer as teenagers, They typically begin to continue to volunteer throughout the rest of their life, which produces the same, less depression, less heart disease, less stress. Isn't that a big deal? Isn't that a big deal? And so uh, on the flip side, people who volunteer or who find some way within the course of a lifetime to be selfless, volunteering health and happiness produces this, greater psychological well-being, greater health, they're more healthy physically, greater self-esteem, greater life expectancy, and greater quality of life. Now listen, you, I know this is hard to believe. Clinical research, clinical research, you could go look this up. I'm not making this up. Clinical research shows that volunteering and mentoring actually pumps up your immune system. That's a big deal. That's a what? Volunteering and mentoring on a weekly basis or some sort of consistent basis every once in a while will help you. Selfless activity actually increases your ability to fight infectious disease. Isn't that easy? Isn't that crazy that clinical research has proven that when we give ourselves away, when we become selfless, there's something in us that begins to help us fight for us. Now, how can that be? Because our natural inclination and your natural inclination is to acquire and to consume and try to look our best and try to get everything that we need so that we can be happy Yet research all over the world asking different questions with different groups of people all come to the same conclusion that one of the best things that you can do for you is to stop focusing on you. Man, I need a fake mic so bad so I can mic drop. That would have been sick if I just mic dropped right there. Just Mic drop, right? Because research, these aren't Christian research, this is just research. Clinical research is saying that the best thing that you can do for yourself is to not be so focused and consumed with you. Selflessness leads to happiness. Selflessness leads to a better sense of well-being and ultimately better, greater health. So now here's the question that we're going to sit on for a few minutes and, and uh, deal with this th- because this is generally not intuitive. But here's the question. How can behaving selflessly make myself happier? Okay, think about that for a second. How can behaving selflessly make myself happier? Or, or maybe ask the question this way. How can emptying myself out leave me feeling so full? Okay? So think about that. Ponder on that question just for a minute. And the answer is really quite simple, but it's probably something that most of us haven't thought about. But it's two words. Divine design. Okay? Everybody say divine design divine design, this is how you were created, okay? You were created by the creator, God himself, to live a life with hands up, hands open. You were created by the creator of life to learn to give yourself away. You were created by the creator of life to live the New Testament, one another's, Okay? You will thrive, and you will be happier, and you will be healthier if you'll learn to embrace the New Testament one another's that we typically, naturally kind of resist. And I'm talking about the one another's. You know the love, right? The, the care for, the serve, forgive, carry burdens. Mm, carry one another's burdens. That's these one another's. If, you were designed by God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. God designed you to do these one another's. And, and, and if you'll do the one another, if you will one another one another, you will be happier. Right? Think about that. If, if we learn to one another one another, if we, if we live these New Testament one another's, we would be happier. Our life would be better. So now here's the thing selfishness so nobody really has to learn selfishness okay selfishness just comes kind of natural right and, and from little bitty babies little bitty kids you know they st- we start the whole mine mine I know some of that stuff is kind of taught and it's, it's kind of filtered in, but selfishness just comes so easy it's so natural right and we're just kind of born into this life of selfishness comes naturally But you got to remember this, selfishness, everybody say selfishness, selfishness was not your design, okay? You were not designed with selfishness. It wasn't a part of your divine design. You will never be happy as long as it's all about you, even when you become the best possible you, you can be until you learn to stop focusing on you. Again, you don't need to look any further except for the happiest people you know. About that. The happiest people you know. The happiest people you know typically are this. The most selfless people you probably know. Okay? And, and you look at them and you think, well, I wouldn't want to look like them because I exercise way more than they do but yet for some reason they're happier than I am and I'm just not that happy. Or <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't want their income because <laughs> I, mean, I make three times what they make, but for some reason they're so, and I saw what they drove in the parking lot, barely made it into the parking lot, but yet they're so happy and I'm so frustrated. I just don't get it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is this, this kind of making sense? And, And you think, I wouldn't trade places with them because I I wouldn't give my life for theirs because I have a better life, but I don't know why they're so much happier than I am. Happy people find a way to give their life away. That's just the fact, Jack. Now, the Apostle Paul, he wrote a letter to the the Christians in Galatia. Now, we call this the book of Galatians, but it, it, you know, It's a book in our Bible, but it was actually just a letter written to a bunch of Christians living in the Roman province of Galatia. And so he writes this letter to these Christians, and it's full of a lot of rich theology. It's great. It's got a lot of great verses. But uh, what I want us to do is I want us to focus on two approaches to life that he kind of points out here, and uh, we're going to drop in uh, because he gives us some stark contrast between living for myself, trying to fill myself up and make me happy, as opposed to pouring myself out. Um, Last week, Pastor Kevin, he preached a powerful message. And if you haven't caught up on all these, go back and you can watch them on Facebook or our podcast, catch up to these messages. But he talked about this. He says, if you prioritize pleasure over happiness, you get neither. But if you prioritize happiness over pleasure, you get both, right? So once again, the Apostle Paul is pointing back to that kind of idea, okay? And when he points to that idea, if you've been in this game long enough, you begin to realize just how true this is. So we're going to drop right into the kind of middle of this conversation, middle of this passage here, which sometimes can be dangerous. We're going to do it today. Um, so we're going to drop into Galatians chapter 5, and here's what Paul says. He says, now the acts of the flesh are obvious. Now, if you're a Bible person, uh, you, you've probably read this verse before and, uh, or heard a version of this uh, preached. If you're new to the, to the church or to New Testament, um, this little Greek word here, flesh, uh, in some translations, they use sinful nature. Uh, there's a couple translations that they use selfish nature. And so when Paul is talking about the acts of the flesh, or sinful nature or selfish nature. He's basically saying this. If you were able to just do whatever you wanted to do, if you were able to get by with whatever you wanted to get by with without any consequences, without your wife finding out or without your husband finding out, if you could just go do whatever you wanted to do, whenever you wanted to do with whomever you wanted to do it, and you weren't going to run out of money while doing it, if you could just go get it all done, get it out of your system, this is what it would look like. So here's what he says. He says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, and they're so obvious I shouldn't have to list them, but I'm going to go ahead and list them. He says, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, which is just excessive sexual behavior, idolatry, idolatry, which is basically trying to get the gods to do my bidding for me. And, and, you know, sometimes I hear people pray, and I think, you know, we could have, that could be a borderline idolatrous prayer. You know, God, I need you to do what I need you to do for me, and it has nothing, you know, it's all about me, right? Sometimes we, we do that. Uh, witchcraft, which is harnessing the forces of nature to do my bidding. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, okay? So he gives this big, long list And he says, if you were to to just pick your feet up, and you were to just go with the flow of society, go with the flow of yourself, and go with the flow of your natural inclinations, okay, the natural flesh that draws you in, your selfish ambitions, this is kind of what it looks like. This is kind of a synopsis of what this looks like, everything in these two verses. And it's so important to understand this. This is pleasure, okay, at someone else's expense. This is, this is selfish. Everybody say selfish. Now I'm stepping on a toe or two. I apologize. But this is selfish. This is pleasure at someone else's expense. Someone else is paying the price while you give in to your natural selfish inclinations. Or we could say it like this. It's all about It's all about me. Even when you get by with it, even when you don't get caught, even when no one holds you accountable, somebody always suffers. Pleasure at someone else's expense. Why? Because all the things that have to do with the desires of the flesh are associated with appetites. Remember, we've talked about this several times throughout the the course of this series. Everything that has to do with the sinful nature or the flesh has to do with appetites. And what, what did we talk about appetites? Appetites can never be satisfied, never fully and finally satisfied. In fact, when you feed an appetite, what happens? It grows, right? It grows. When you begin to feed an appetite, when you give an appetite what an appetite wants, that appetite grows, and you begin to lose control of the appetite. That's why people have so many health issues. As is we give in to just a little bit of what we want, our desire, the app, we feed that appetite. Next thing you know, that appetite is out of control and we can't figure out how to do it. How to get by. It grows. And it grows. And when you can't satisfy it, it is frustrating. For just a small, easy example that you probably have experienced, most everybody may, when you're starving to death, and you're just so hungry, and then you sit down at the table, and you just eat, and then you're done eating, and you go, man, I'm still hungry. Isn't it frustrating? That's just a little, crazy, simple example, but it's so frustrating when you have an appetite that's not satisfied. It'll leave you wanting more and more and more. And at the end of the day, you just end up unhappy. So we're going to look at the contrast here because he has a great contrast. But we're going to contrast the fruit of the spirit versus the acts of the flesh. Okay? The fruit of the spirit, he says. Now, this, the fruit of the spirit, this is what, he, what he's talking about here, is when you finally relax. When you finally go, okay, okay, okay. God, it's not about me anymore. Okay, God, I'm done with it being about me. I'm tired of everything being about me. I'm tired of being hyper-focused on me, 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 me. I'm done with being about me. Now I'm going to be about you. Okay, that's the spiritual nature. That's the the fruit of the Spirit. So God, now I'm done being about me, and I'm going to be about you, and I'm going to be about your people. So that's the contrast here. And what he says, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, the fruit of the Spirit is joy, it is peace, it is forbearance, which, which means patience. It means that I'm going to go at your pace, not at my pace. I'm not going to force you into something. It's kindness, which means I'm going to gear down, and I'm going to make sure you're comfortable. I want to make sure that you're good, you're okay. It's goodness, which is I'm just going to do the right thing, even if it costs me almost everything. It's faithfulness. You can trust me, you can trust me, you can trust me, you can trust me, and it's gentleness, gentleness. I'm going to leverage my power for your benefit, and it's self-control. God is saying this. This is what I want to produce in you. This is what I want to produce in you. And then Paul ends it with one of the greatest verses, one of the most profound, powerful verses in the New Testament. And it's powerful. He says this. This is his final statement, his closing argument to that. Against such things there is no law. Wow. Isn't that powerful? You may not get how powerful it is yet, but it is powerful, against such things, there is no law. I'm going to put the list up here, TJ, if you will. Against such things, there is no law. Paul, what he's saying is, you were made for this. You were created for this. This right here is an environment in which you were built to flourish. This right here is an environment where you were built to blossom and grow and to bloom. This right here was your divine design. This is what's going to make you happy. Imagine right now, ladies and gentlemen, if your family, your current family, think about your kids, your husband, your wife, if your family, those living inside of your household, if they were characterized by this, if they were characterized by love, if your family was characterized by joy, by peace, by patience, by kindness, by goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, can you imagine if that was the family dynamic that you live in, that you live with every day? Wow. I'm just going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say, you would be happy, right? Come on. You, can, can you agree with me? Nod your head. You would be ha- if, if your family was characterized by that right there, wouldn't you be happy? Wouldn't you be happy? And, and Paul's saying, the reason that you intuitively know this is because you were designed this way. You were created with these things in mind. You were designed to live in a community of people. I'm talking about a physical community of people that were basically, I mean, th- that, that were characterized by these things. You are designed to live in a community where basically the police stand at an intersection and have to direct traffic because everybody's like, no, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. And the cops are like, "Hey, come on. Come on, now you, now you. Because everyone, if if you begin to live your life with me in mind for my benefit, if you do things for my benefit and I begin to do things for your benefit with you in mind, can you imagine what that would look like? a community where people just got along. And Paul, this is why Paul's statement, that last statement is so brilliant, is because he says, listen, if we ever got a hold of this, this is the kind of life and community that there is no need for law. There's no need for rules. There's no need for law. I I read a book years ago by a a man who, he was deceased, I can't even remember, it's called The Greatest Thing Ever, and it was love. And he says, if, if we ever, ever figured out love, you know, people want to hang on to the Ten Commandments. If we ever figured out love, you know, there's no need for anything else. There's no need for law. Because if we ever got a hold of Jesus' kind of love that Jesus teaches and taught us, if we ever got a hold of these fruits of the Spirit, our divine nature, it would change our community. It would first change your family. Mm-hmm it would change your community. It would change our city. And listen, it would change our nation. Okay? Can you imagine a nation characterized by this? A nation characterized by this? This is saying out, I want what's best for you. And, and you're committed for what's best for me. And when we do that, we can get through anything. We can figure out anything. We can solve anything. We live in a nation that, that is just blossoming. And Paul says, this right here, this is what you were created for. <laughs> Listen, selfishness is natural. Selfishness is natural, but it's not your design. Okay? Okay. It comes naturally, but that's not what you were designed for. It's easy to be selfish. It just comes so easy, but it's not how you were designed. Family works better when we're characterized by these things. Nations work better when we're characterized by these things. And Paul says this, I'm inviting you to a selfless way of living. It may not be intuitive by nature, but the more selfless you are, the happier you will be. So the clarity of happiness boils down to kind of these thoughts right here. You want more evidence? Good, I've got more evidence. How do you measure the value of life? Okay, think about that. How do you measure the value of life? So let's just make it clear. I'll give you an example. So you're at a funeral. Someone stands up at a funeral to talk about the deceased, that the one who's passed away, here are some things that you never hear talked about. How immoral they were, <laughs> how impure they were, how indulgent, hateful, jealous, angry, selfish, argumentative, envious, how often they got drunk. That's not what you typically hear. I have, I have honestly been to one of those funerals, and it was awful. <laughs> But uh, typically, out of all the dozens and dozens and dozens of funerals that I've been to, that's, then that's not what you hear. You don't hear them stand up and say, listen, I'm telling you, this, this guy right here made an incredible, extraordinary contribution to our community because he slept with every woman in our community. You don't hear that, okay? He was, he was angry all the time. If you've ever tried to talk to him, you know he was the angriest person you've ever met in your life. He was jealous. My Lord, he was jealous. He would sleep with, with a woman, and he'd come home, and her, her, his wife was talking on the phone to State Farm, and he's ta- she's talking to a guy, and he'd hang up the phone. He was, oh, man, he was jealous. Jealous person. And, man, selfish. Selfish. I borrowed, I tried to borrow his hammer. wouldn't let me borrow his hammer. I had to go to my neighbor. You know, man, he was selfish. He was envious. And when he wasn't drunk, he was asleep. I mean, this guy, I just... I know that we're all so inspired by this man right here, right? That's not what we hear at a funeral, okay? They don't bring that up, and the reason they don't bring that up is because we know that at at the end of of our life, those things that I just mentioned, they have no value, okay? There's no value there. There's no reason to bring those things up because there's just no value in those things. They're, They're all things that are pleasurable, but at someone else's expense. Someone else's pain. Maybe he got pleasure for seasons in that atmosphere, but it was always costing someone else. It was costing someone else their happiness. They add nothing to society. Those lives that are characterized by those things aren't happy. They don't make people feel happy. We know this, and yet every single day I'm tempted. Listen, I... I've done funeral when, you- when you go to a funeral, I- I've done tons and tons and tons of funerals, unfortunately. But I love it when you can stand up there and you can say things like, man, they would give you the shirt off of their. They were the most loving caring. They never met a stranger. They loved hard and, and they, did- they weren't the richest person in the world. But you wouldn't know that. Right. Have You ever been to a funeral like that? Some of you, that's your moms or your dads or your grandmas. That's the way they were because that's how we measure a life. Every single day, I'm tempted just like you are, just like you are to get up and consume all of my time and all of my life on trying to make me happier, make me better, make me more fulfilled. And sometimes I think that maybe our Heavenly Father is just standing up there with us. Hands on his hips going, listen, when are you ever going to learn? When are you ever going to learn that selfishness is ultimately going to kill you? The value of life, the value of life is always measured by how much of it was given away. When you stand up and you talk about somebody's life, at the end of their life, the things that you talk about, the value of their life is always about how much of their life they gave to who? Who? Others, everyone else, they were, we say things like they were always giving, they were always loving, they were always there, they were always serving, they always did, and it happens to be, we value that. Non-Christians, Christians, everybody, we stand up at the end of someone's life, and we value their life by what they did for others. That'll preach right there. Man, if I had another mic, I would just mic drop like crazy. That's what we celebrate because that's what we know is most valuable. Listen, giving your life away is what makes you great. When a person gives a portion of their life away, when they live selflessly, when they, they look at people and they give, we look at that and we go, wow, that's a great man. That is a great woman who gave them lives away. And I told Amanda uh, Thursday we were signing those documents and and I just kind of started preaching my sermon a little bit. And I told her, I was going to use y'all, but I don't want to embarrass y'all, so I'm not going to use you. But now I've said it, so I have to say it. But I look at Patrick and Amanda, and I think some of the most selfless people that I've ever met. And, and because they just love to serve. They love to get Now, if you've ever been around them, if you've ever known them during, especially during natural disasters and stuff, but they do this all the time, you just don't see it as much. But they are constantly serving, and they are all their, all three of their kids are right there with them, whether they want to or not, right? right. <laughs> I don't think they have much choice, but again, serving with a bad attitude still leads to positive results. <laughs> but the point is, is as, I, as you look at them and you think, "Wow, they're so blessed, but their blessing comes from giving their life away. They are sowers. They are sowers into their own happiness. They sow financially. They serve. They give. They honor. They mentor. They teach. They care. That's what life is about. And so when you put value on life, that's the things that we measure life by. And I apologize for calling you out even though I said I wasn't going to call you out. You've got to find a way to serve, right? Right? One more illustration. Don't be this, okay? Don't be that. That looks beautiful, right? Pretty? That's the Dead Sea, okay? Don't be the Dead Sea. End of my sermon. Let's all pray. I'm just kidding. So the Dead Sea, for those of you who don't know, the Dead Sea doesn't have life in it. There's nothing growing in it. The Dead Sea has the Jordan River pouring into the Dead Sea. But it's at such a low point on planet Earth that there's no place for the water to go, so the water stays there, so it can't sustain life. And so the Dead Sea has no life. And what's crazy, everybody, most probably all of you know that, but here, let's put up this next picture right here. Most of you don't know that the Dead Sea is actually drying up. Go Google it, Google it, okay? The Dead Sea, I don't know why I say that. What? That's a, a movie or something. I just can't get it out of my head. But when you, when you look it up, I didn't realize this, but the Dead Sea is actually drying up. Right now, as we sit here in this sanctuary, they are pumping thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of gallons of water into the Dead Sea, trying to keep the Dead Sea from drying up and disappearing. Isn't that incredible? Here's what's funny. Eight, or not, maybe not funny. Here's what's interesting. 80 miles north of the Dead Sea, you've got the Sea of Galilee. Okay? 87 miles north, you have the Sea of Galilee. Right now, on the Sea of Galilee, well, probably not right now because it's dark there, but uh, today, on the Sea of Galilee, there's going to be people skiing, wakeboarding, jet skiing, they're going to be having picnics and having fun, having a good time. It's a resort. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. I mean, the natural beauty, the landscape, is just unbelievable. And then all this natural beauty and this life that's in the water flows into the Sea of Galilee, and then it flows out of the Sea of Galilee, hits the Jordan River, and floats 87 miles south into the Dead Sea, where it sits isn't it funny that something so beautiful in sea of galilee can have inflow influx of water coming in and then water flowing out into the dead sea the dead sea has no water flowing out of it just flowing in it yet it keeps getting smaller and smaller come on i was about to mic drop that's a good point for an amen are you with me do you understand? Isn't it funny that something that has something going in and nothing going out can get smaller and smaller and smaller? Listen, if, if that's you, if you're the kind of person who could come in and say, I love God, I love God, I want God, I represent God, blah, 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 and nothing is flowing out of you, you are the Dead Sea. You are the Dead Sea, and ultimately, you will get smaller and smaller and smaller, and you will get... Uh, more frustrated, and more frustrated, and more frustrated, and you'll be more unhappy, and more unhappy, and more unhappy, and, and you will fall for the lie every single time that if I only look like her, or if I look like him, or if I had that, or if I drove one of those, if I could put this composite person together, this Frankenstein together, I know finally I would be happy, but you were designed to give your life away. You were made for more than you. If it's all about you, you will never be happy. That's the bottom line this morning. And even if you get yourself exactly the way you want to get yourself, you will never be enough. You can't consume and exercise and, your way to happiness. You'll never be enough, and here's why. And I'm gonna say this, and I'll, I'll be done and close out. But you were designed by the giver of life to give your life away. Okay? That's a big statement. It's a really big statement. I'm gonna say it again like this You were designed, you were created by the creator of life. To give your life away. You were made by the maker of life, okay? I'm just saying this slower and louder. As I want you to get this. You were made by the maker of life to give your life away. You were created in such a way that you will never find fulfillment until you find a way to periodically Let go of the things that you've been given. Let it flow through you, in you, and through you to other people. When you learn to let what's in you benefit somebody else, that's where you find life. Amen? That's the truth. The more I I worked on this this week and, and thought about this, the more I just got so excited because I believe this so much. I remember... Years ago, I started an Adopt-a-Block program, and, uh, well, actually, we can go back almost 20 years ago when that started happening in Wichita Falls, but I remember waking up all the time on Saturdays, because we would do it on Saturday mornings from like uh, 10 to 11 or something like that, just an hour Saturday morning, but I remember going, Ugh, every Saturday going, Ugh, I do not want to get up, it's my Saturday, it's my Saturday, ugh, I hate going and serving people on Saturday. I'm going and mowing lawns. You know, we had several trucks and trailers and lawn equipment and all this stuff. And we would just, we went to the same neighborhood for years. Everybody had the same streets. And so these people knew us like crazy. They knew us like crazy. We had this one house that she kept slamming the door on us. She didn't want to talk to us. For like two months, she would just slam the door. She put signs up there. Don't knock on my door. I'm calling the police and stuff. And so one time they came to me and they're like, Pastor Jared, this lady will not answer her door. And uh, so I said, okay, watch this. So I went to her door, banged on her door. I see her blinds opening up, and I went like this. And I banged on the door. She slammed open that door, and she's probably late 60s. She had her nightgown on, you know, over probably her Sunday dress. I don't know. It was kind of like that situation she's just looking at me like this and I went oh my word I said it's true I said I'm sorry I said I'm gonna walk away I don't know I ain't gonna bother you I said I just can't believe it I said it's true everybody around here has told me it's true and I had to see for myself I apologize and she starts kind of her mad face kind of turns to a what are you talking about and I went everybody around here said that the most beautiful lady on this street lives at this house I didn't believe them and I it is true and I'm so sorry and she does this I love you and she became one of my favorite people and I went and I ministered and I served her every day every Saturday and I said all that to say, I remember waking up and going, oh, I just don't want to go. But every Saturday when we were done, I was like, this is the greatest thing in the world. Why is everybody not doing this on Saturdays? It doesn't make any sense to me. Why people aren't doing this? And then the next Saturday is like, oh, I don't want to go today. And then I just would leave so fulfilled. So fulfilled. So I challenge you to do a couple things. I challenge you to look for opportunities to serve. Look for a way that you can give your life away, that your life can benefit someone else. So what we're going to do is, is in the next couple weeks, we're going to present to you a couple of ideas. Um, I've talked to Jay a little bit about this. Uh, I was talking to Adriana. Adriana's looking. She's Researching, asking a couple questions for me, uh, with some neighborhoods and some people. But I'm looking for a place that we can go and we can set up and that we can serve every week. That we can go or, or every month. Once we're going to start once a month because I, I don't want to overload anybody. But we're looking for an opportunity that we can go and serve as a church. This is not a mandatory thing. We're not going to check attendance or whatever. But I want to make sure that I'm doing my best as a pastor to help facilitate what I'm saying. Because I believe what I'm saying is true. Some of you naturally on your own, you're doing that. And that's okay. But maybe if we had an organized uh, event or moment that we can go out and serve people, maybe it would help. So that's one of the things that we're looking for. And we're hoping to bring that to you in the next week or so. Uh, Some of our thoughts. I'm not even going to share some of them right now. because. I don't know which direction we're going to go, but I want you to be thinking about that. And if you have ideas to bring to us, but on your own, if you're married, I want you to talk to your spouse about this. If you have kids or whatever, look for ideas or ways that you can take your kids and say, you know what? I want to serve. This church has got to be a house where we serve and we give ourselves away to our community. Amen? Come on, amen? I believe that. I believe that. That's who we are. That's how we were designed. Amen? Amen. Father, I pray right now. Lord, I just pray for the Holy Spirit to just wake us up and, and wake us up to this thought, to this idea, to this moment. This this really, maybe for some people, it's a revolutionary type of idea that our happiness is tied directly into giving our lives away serving other people that 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 our our happiness is tied to loving people that it's tied to being kind and gentle and patient and understanding god that our happiness is really really connected with how much of ourselves we can give away throughout this whole series god i've been challenged myself that it's not about things. It's not about a what, God, but it's about who. It's about the who's that I do life with. It's about the who's that are sitting in this building right now. It's about the who's that are watching online right now that are part of this body, this, uh, that are part of this ecclesia, God, this fellowship that I get to do life with. And not only do I, that I get to do life with, but I'm, I'm looking for opportunities that I can serve with these who's, that I can one another every person in this room that I can love one another and that we can care for one another and that we can carry one another's burdens, lift each other up. So God, I pray right now for fresh revelation in our minds and in our thoughts, God, that we would get a hold of something that's bigger than us, that we would turn our lives into this moment that's greater than us and that we would focus it all back on you because that's how we Were designed. And we just give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody believes us shouts a big amen.